The battle of Britain is about to begin. podcast. So a lot of you out there are model addicts. Admit it. That's fine. We're not going to judge you. Well, well, actually, I'll judge you. But Brett and Chris will not judge you. Unfortunately, not every model we want is available in 1-200th from Warlord or even from Armaments in Miniature. So tonight, I'm going to talk to Richard Carlyle. And you've probably seen the information about Rockworks out there and some of the 3D printed files and STLs and actual hard 3D printed miniatures that are being offered. So we're going to chat about that and see what the impact of the Blood Red Skies community is. Richard, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. That's no problem, Doug. It's brilliant to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, yeah. Glad to uh, talk a little bit about Blood Red Skies and miniatures and other things that I can waste my money on <laughs> during this uh, time can, of the, of can the pandemic. Yeah, exactly. We can help. <laughs> you're, you're so so kind of you to, to help out with that. We thought so. so. <laughs> let's jump straight into it. Uh, you know, I... I was on the podcast the other day and I'm, I'm referring it to Rockworks. I called it Rockworks tonight. Uh, Brett beat me up. He's like, is it ROC works or is it Rockworks? I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to have Richard explain it to me. Well, absolutely. It's, it is Rockworks or ROC hyphen works. Um, but Rockworks is way I'd refer it to. Um, that's partly because those are my initials. Um, ROC. Uh, but of course there's the rock Blackburn um, and a few others. Uh, that it re- referred to, which is in keeping with the aircraft side of things. Perfect. So how did you end up uh, deciding to do 3D printing for models and selling STLs? How, how did you end up saying, you know what, starting my own company in the middle of the pandemic to do miniature stuff seems like a really good idea? Uh, there's, <laughs> You can start something whenever you like. It just happens to be right now in the middle of all this going on. Um, but for me, it started a few years back. I was working with Warlord Games. So uh, I think that's fairly well known. Um, I was at Warlord Games whilst uh, Blood Red Skies was in development. And uh, the situations that went on there, it, uh, the usual sort of Warlord Games things, um, we ended up with the team who was organizing it all disappearing and uh, it was left to myself and a couple of others uh, uh, Simon Tiff uh, to pick up the ball find out what was actually going on in China with our product <laughs> and uh, make sure that the starter set uh, Battle of Britain uh, Blood Red Skies actually came to fruition as planned and released and actually out to the marketplace so uh, it was uh, an enlightening period but it also meant that uh, one of my passions the aircraft modeling uh, in the background uh, I was able to bring that to the fore and say to myself yeah I can bring something more to uh, Blood Risk Guys but for myself for aircraft um, it, it's something I've always loved doing and recently I've left Warlord Games and 
the world's open, the, the world's your oysters, as you often say, is uh, come together now. I've been had this idea bubbling over for a couple of years. It wasn't taking any hold at Warlord. Uh, wasn't able to get any traction there to make things happen. So now I can because I've got the decision making in my power. So. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, you know, it's it's one of the things that I've talked about a few times that I think gamers are less understanding of, I'll say, uh, in the, the current social media and spin cycle. I, I, I don't know what term to use, but that that game companies really do have a business model and they have a vision. And I pick on the guys at Warlord all the time, uh, probably why I'm not getting a Christmas card from John Stollard. All right, that's fine. I'll deal with that. But I pick on them for how they they think they interact and how they um, what their vision is. And sometimes their vision is, in my opinion, a very 1980s, very extrapolated, obviously, from where a lot of people got their start uh, at that company with initials like Warlord Games, but flipped (laughs) Games Workshop. (laughs) Uh, But I I really I'm surprised at the things that don't take traction. But the nice thing about business being what it is, and especially in the world of 3D printing, 3D modeling, the internet, being able to transfer large files and and IP around very quickly, uh, it's it's really heartening to me that all of a sudden you can say, you know what, if you guys aren't willing to do it, I'm going to show exactly how yes. we get there. Yeah, and uh, for, it was uh, that whole model, the business model, is, as you mentioned, 1980s. It's it, Yeah, I could agree with that. And there's some great people there, and there's some decisions made by certain others that most wouldn't agree with, um, but it's their choice or go so that that's the situation Um, i always love trying to explain business to gamers or people who aren't in business and saying that somebody has to be the boss and the boss's decision generally sticks and if you don't like it go do your own thing (laughs) there you go that's fine that's fine and uh, i I liked uh your interview the other day um uh where you're talking about egos uh on the uh midway you know um the the people involved and uh the different commanders and the politics and naval politics and general personalities um, were so large that almost unbelievable unless you read about them properly Uh, and you get that in business as well and when you've got an opportunity and you've got hopefully some skills um, to put things together and experiences if they're not valued by someone then believe in yourself and perhaps have a go at doing something yourself you might be surprised and that's kind of what i want to do here (laughs) with rockworks well tell me a little bit about your gaming background so we we know you as a blood red skies person that's that's how the ready room and that's how the lead pursuit podcast knows you but every decision we tend to make is we always have a lot of baggage from our previous gaming background and that's why i tease uh, you know brett for you're creating a campaign systems that feels like Blood Red Skies plus Dungeons and Dragons, uh, things like that. When when we, we pull from our previous gaming experience, what kind of brought you to this point in your life game-wise? Wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, well, I'd, I'm, I'd admit it, my first book was Rogue Trader. There you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, one of those. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> no, yes, I was there. Um, uh, I left, uh, I had a very short stint in the forces uh, uh, with the Royal Marines and my career brought short i had to do something else and i was in an outdoor center teaching kids how to fall off cliffs attached to ropes um and some friends of mine were uh 
employed by Games Workshop, and they said, you should come and do this. It's good fun. So I did. I left the uh, outdoor uh, adventuring side of things and uh, joined Games Workshop. Uh, that was back in 94, right at the beginning of 94. Um, so, so you left the beautiful, wonderful, clean-aired outdoors to hang out with a bunch of stinky nerds wearing black. That's the one, I just, yes. I just yes. want to make sure I get that right. Okay. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it took me a few years. I was very naive then. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, when you run, end up running your own shop and realize that uh, you need lots of air freshener, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, hanging out with those, uh, yeah, very fresh exactly. uh, gamers. It's a, it's a rarefied air, we'll call it. <laughs> yes. So I spent a good few years at Games Workshop. And uh, in 2000, I went to New Zealand to help a friend open his own shop. Um, and I ended up out in New Zealand for seven years, uh, during that which time... That sounds terrible. Cool. Yeah, I, it was. I feel it your was. pain. Very painful. I ended up working at Battlefront Miniatures as well uh, <laughs> uh, for a lot of that time. And I met some great guys there. And... Uh, still friends with uh, Phil and Evan the guys uh, Wayne um, the, the rules were really in their infancy for Flames of War um, but I helped out I think uh, I did my part in helping Flames of War come together uh, with the production and manufacturing side of things as well as working in the design studio so by, by that point I was also still running my own shop in uh, Auckland um, so by that point I've uh, done all my, if you like, my groundwork in the industry with Games Workshop in a, in a shop uh, as a manager, senior manager, looking after several shops uh, in Holland. Um, and then I've gone to New Zealand to uh, have my own shop and work with Battlefront. But effectively, from there, uh, I came back to the UK and more recently I've ended up with Wall of Games. Um, five years there now, uh, well, up to this Christmas where I left. Um, yeah. Um, it's through that period I've been involved in both shop, studio, manufacturing, um, moving factories, uh, coming up with R and D, um, uh, the first plastic sets for uh, Flames of War. I was involved with the first Sherman tanks in a factory that made plastic widgets for electric fences. Uh, that was in <laughs> wherever you can steal industrial capability. It yeah, really doesn't yeah. matter. Somebody makes something that you can use. And and it was the fact that you go to guys in New Zealand who make these widgets and go, we think you could make a tank for us. <laughs> I go, what do you mean a, a water tank? No, a Sherman M4 tank in plastic, scale to one one hundredth. You could do that. <laughs> uh, I can't imagine people in the electric fence insulator industry in in New Zealand are any different than here in the United States. And they probably looked at you and said, boy, something ain't right with you. <laughs> how did, uh, along those how lines, did that go? Along those lines, it, it raised a few eyebrows. It definitely raised a few eyebrows. But uh, what we found was, it only, it's amazing how many people, you don't know what their history or background is until you really get to start throwing ideas around. And they go, Wow, that's actually quite interesting. I love my dad was doing this in the war, and he was involved with this. I'd awesome. love a go at that. Awesome. Well, let's talk a little bit about when, your. Sorry, oh, let's let's talk a little bit about your moving on from that to to back to Rockworks. So you've you've got a diverse cross section of a background uh, be, between industry giants standing up what are now arguably new industry giants working on the the initial processes going over to industry giants that have people from previous industry giants, you know, so you've, you've seen kind of a lot of it all. What, 
What have you taken and put in your personal kit bag for Rockworks where you say, this is, this is Rockworks' vision, this is what we're going to concentrate on, because obviously I think the gaming industry out there, people will say, doesn't need more powerhouses. It needs a lot more, you know, niche market kind of people that are focusing on all the things being forgotten. How does, how does Rockworks fit into that? Uh, for me, it's the openness to new technology, new ideas, and the willingness to take a bit of a risk, uh, educated risks, but uh, have a go at something new and see if we can push our hobby a little bit further, uh, service our uh, needs, because uh, I'm a gamer as well, I want my aircraft, um, but uh, there, there's all sorts of areas and avenues we could explore, but right now I, I wanted to look at the new technology of 3D printing. Uh, the printers are coming down in price, a lot more people out there now, we're on that cusp of uh, how many actually have their own. It's become so uh, open to most any gamer if they're up to having a bit of a, a play and a go without too much of a challenge now. Um, even two years ago, looking at printing was quite a, an involvement and a challenge. Nowadays, it's not anywhere near that. It's almost a plug and play. Um, and I think for me, Rockworks is, uh, I want to see that experiment taken forwards to wherever it ends up um, but it's it's being open to those new ideas and I think our industry it, it, certain key big powerhouses are already doing that they're already looking at how they can uh, push their IP and promote it and push forwards with the, the new ideas And uh, but others perhaps in the historical market aren't that they are 1980s that that's where they're at and I think there's a danger in just sticking to their guns on that um, there's a bit of a danger in going forwards with uh, technology unknown um, with the STL side of things for example uh, I'm sure Steve Toth mentioned that a little bit uh, in a oh, yeah. previous yeah. podcast hasn't he um, where there is that potential for abuse but I for me I picked Blood Red Skies to the aircraft market particular uh, because Blood Red Skies has got a probably the best community I, I've come across on Facebook communities uh, to explore this uh, sort of process and, and see if, what the, the feedback will be and uh, I think we can get brilliant um, prints for the actual physical models out on a, from printers on a production scale um, and I think providing STLs is a fantastic service that a lot of our gamers are going to jump at. Um, and already, even though we've only got five so far, uh, five aircraft so far, uh, it's proving to be the case. There's uh, been quite a big pickup straight away. So why did you choose to jump straight, in a sense, into the retail market, uh, to go straight to selling airplanes that have been printed uh, in-house and selling people the STL files when... It seems, uh, you know, perception at least, maybe not always being reality, but it seems that many of the STL producers out there are doing things via Kickstarter. Uh, and and maybe, you know, in my own naivete, that's, that's not understanding all the complexities of it and how many of those have actually failed, because I'll be honest, I see them all the time on Tabletop Fix, but do I follow them to their successful funding or not funding? No, I don't. <laughs> but what, what made you choose to do it direct retail the way you are? Well... It's partly that um, I've I've seen and been around people who 
are running Kickstarters, have experience in Kickstarters, and it's definitely a place to go. But for me, uh, I think it's a place to go if you've got a bit of a following already. So if you're a total unknown and you're going out there, out the bat, unknown with no history, so to speak, within this marketplace, uh, yes, I, I've got my name on some rule books and I've been uh, in the industry a while. I think people have come to find out about me, but to do a Kickstarter, I think that would be a big ask to say, I need thousands. Will you invest in me to, and I'll provide these SDLs? The other, the other side of it for me is that a lot of the uh, people who go to Kickstarter, as you rightly said, that there's a, such a danger in that they underestimate their costs. They underestimate <laughs> how much oh, how much work it goes into actually making it come together and come to completion. And at the end of it, do they have anything left from that cash inflow uh, that Kickstarter provided them? And I would ninety percent of the time, if they're if it's their first or se- even second, I'd say ninety percent of the time they're breaking even. They're not actually getting perhaps anywhere near what they thought to help them progress their business so experience kicks in and says yeah i want to get a bit of a groundwork i would i want things to be steady and get some pillars in place that are strong enough to support uh, a potential kickstarter down the line i'm not going to say i won't do one um I, I think it is a quite a valid option later on especially if there's um opportunities for other games perhaps or other uh, other ideas as they come along but first off let's get me known a bit and uh, make sure people know that i'm around and uh, that i do fulfill promises oh no oh no we know you're around those of us who have our old gw uh source books we know you're around <laughs> yes I, the old place I, will. yes i always always laugh the number of rule books i open and see people i know's name and i'm like i can't get away from these jerks they're continuing to ruin my life so <laughs> well if you've got the old uh, uh desert book for uh, the original desert book for flames of war then uh you can blame me for the comic strips <laughs> strike of the scorpion and things like that absolutely Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's funny what a in a sense what a large but also what a small community gaming is and uh, and the number of people, especially in the miniatures world, that that all move back and forth. Well, so let's jump right into what everyone cares about because I'll be honest, everyone's gonna say, Doug, why have you been talking for eighteen minutes about BS that doesn't have anything to do with the release schedule or what models are coming next? So <laughs> yes. let's let's roll out there what we think. We're going to see from you uh, here in the short term, and then we can talk about some dream shots and other things that uh, that we'd love to see further on. Donald. Right, I've got my pen ready. <laughs> I'm going exactly. to make a list. All of Doug's requests. I don't really care about the rest of you out there, listeners. Doug's I care requests. about Doug getting what he wants. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, go for it. So, um, where whew, where to start? I think right now, um, I started really with a, a complete list of all the aircraft that I could think of, and researched and discovered marks of that i think i would like to see um and every aircraft's on there right from word go but i narrowed it down to the ones that i thought would be not immediately done by warlord games um i'd like to think that i i personally don't want to be doing things that they are going to uh blood for blood risk guys specifically um Blood Red Skies is something close to my heart. I, I love the game. It's invigorated me more than any other I can think of for a long time. Uh, and uh, I got to know Andy and a few of the other guys like yourselves. It's 
and the community has really inspired me, which is part of the reason why I've done it. The list of aircraft includes stuff that Warlord Games has got on its list, but those won't appear, uh, but not in the mark that they do. I could well be doing marks. Um, for example, Spitfire is a yeah. perfect example. So, so which Spitfire is on your release list? Well, the release that's happened this weekend is the Mark V, which is the B or C, uh, and it's got the tropical filters on it. Rather Thank lovely you. piece. Thank you. So I don't Rather have the fashion piece. fiddly little tropical filters no to put on the front filters, of my Mark I Mark IIs. Especially that chin underneath the uh, Spitfire to get that right. Um, but uh, of course, there's the other type of filter which we might do later down the line. And that's the part of the beauty is we can do the Mark V with the standard big chin filter. It's got the cannons um, on the inside position. Um, I think it, Steve's done a fantastic job getting those wings right. Uh, the proportions are spot on. Um, what's more impressive, I think, with the SDLs is that it's going to allow us to revisit that Spitfire, that same one, later down the road and give people the option to have guns on the outside position maybe both guns, cannons, we're talking about here, um, maybe without the filters, uh, the blown Malcolm hood. So you can take all the different little marks that uh, where that Mark V incorporates, all the different changes that happen to that aircraft um, and potentially release each one as an option. I so hate you for that. I don't know whether it's because <laughs> it's going to cause me to buy a 3D printer and buy the STL file from you, or if I'm going to end up just buying models straight from you. I, I, I don't know, but either way, it does not end well for me. So thank you for nothing. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. It's, it's one of those things I think it, I want to explore more because it the, the whole digital side of sculpting uh, has opened up when it comes to things like aircraft. I think with figures, you're seeing a huge explosion of uh, D&D style uh, figures out there uh, on patrons. And again, that's something I don't want to go down the route of with the patron. But the SDL options we've got would do something along those lines where we can give people who've bought into it early um, the free updates as we go along, as we right. bring these on. Um, and it, it's a great way of uh, servicing our existing customers who've uh, invested in us. Uh, uh, they've jumped on board to have a go at this at this early stage. We can give them those free options, whereas obviously the price for of an SEO would have to go up for each add-on type thing that we've added in there. Those guys well, would have I, paid once and got those extras for free. Not right that then. I'm going to suggest you find a way to be my new crack dealer, but uh, <laughs> I know plenty of us that would pay a membership fee just to be to be in that update window, and that would be like, ooh, look at the new things coming. I'm gonna I'm gonna get these and and now be able to download them, uh, and then my self would be broke buying you know resin printers and running those things it's all those lovely little things in the background that cost absolutely yeah, exactly exactly look i'm saving money by having a membership no no actually, no <laughs> but that's so, the trick isn't it that's it, the trick it, it um, is and, and, and let's let's talk about it just for a second before we come back to the rest of the release list um there there is something people have to understand is that there's a wide variety of quality differences out there and that the beauty is you all are, are generating super high resolution stl files but there is a, a barrier to entry to sometimes getting that quality from your own homebrew printer because if you're only buying a you know, non-resin printer, you're, you're going to get certain, certain levels of quality versus the, the really expensive, really time-intensive right. processes. That's right. The, the quality of the, the prints will vary from machine to machine, uh, manufacturers, machines. 
Then you introduce uh, the different types of resin that you can pick and choose from. Um, and even those, you look at a resin batch from early this year to now, and they've changed, even though the name's the same on the outside, they've changed the uh, chemical mix, which means that you've got to then change your settings. Uh, this is why is I just I'm buy doing. miniatures from people. I am not smart enough to figure this out. <laughs> now, they bring all sorts of things in, let alone to say, uh, you know, I, I'm lucky I've actually got a space. Uh, I built my own shed to have space for this. Uh, um, I can control the temperature and humidity to a degree. Uh, which a lot of people won't be able to in their attics or in their sheds. You know, the, the temperature change affects that resin so much. And with the with the uh, um, the screens not able to cope with the thickness of the resin or the, the viscosity of it, I should say, um, that that makes a huge difference. So if you're like me and you're lucky to be able to figure out how to mix epoxy correctly. I suggest you just buy the models from Rockworks. It makes it easier. <laughs> Don't buy the STL files. <laughs> no, no, buy the STL files. It's far easier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so simple to do it yourself. But yeah, I, I, like I said, but, I can't mix epoxy without gluing my stir stick to the bottom of the plastic yeah. cup. So. I mean, ultimately, the, the whole plan was to uh, look at the whole STL uh, phenomenon, the printing at home phenomenon. Can't say that word. Um, but uh, we were realistic. Uh, I said... Uh, to people I've talked to about this idea to that they all came back and said well I still want the physical model uh, and at this point I couldn't break away from the just doing an STL and that was it we found a way we can make it work and uh, it's working uh, the the machines are doing a fantastic sterling job in the corner of the shed beavering away making all these aeroplanes um, so the list it's it's such a list uh, as you know there's hundreds of different aircraft marks out there uh, uh, of uh, the variety that we could pick and choose from so what to choose first well yeah, yeah. I, I was lucky we we've got steve who said yes to coming board we've got aiden and his son rowan uh, and they their stls are absolutely stunning uh, they're crisp they're they've got the detail there's bottom for scale size um, we've talked about the potential shrinkage rates and um, the distortion that can happen with printing. Uh, we've found ways around that. We're coming up with new ideas. Uh, Aiden's really, uh, when he can, because it's not his full-time job, it, it's, we've got to remember these guys have got proper jobs. Uh, this is their hobby. Um, uh, and uh, they've done a fantastic job putting these SDL sculpts together uh, in a way that can be printed at home and that's what we're trying to provide is the the choices um as i said aiden the choice of aircraft was a little bit directed towards what he had already done as well he had a bit of an advantage a head start if you like uh where his son rowan had done the cr42 and he'd done the gladiator probably because someone was talking about malta all the time and hold that thought for just a minute and we'll come back to malta indeed So coming back to Malta, um, and uh, yeah, with uh, the Gladiators and CR42 sorted, we looked at the Swordfish, which is yet to come out, only a few weeks away, 
And then we said, what else have we got? We've got the devoting or devoting. However you say it, the 520, D520. Uh, I always was, mess up those designations. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, but most importantly, we got the buffalo. No, we don't care about the buffalo. <laughs> Buffaloes and gladiators and swordfish. I don't yes. care about. Well, actually, yeah. I do care about buffaloes. I, I, while I Very don't underrated. like to model them, I, I need to for some of, especially for you know British Malaya, a couple other places where I need to do uh, some some early war kind of stuff. I'm going to need some buffaloes, and I will hang my head in shame as I well, them and paint them. But <laughs> you, you mentioned the early war, and you mentioned uh, the uh, RAF it. And I think that's, again, where we're looking, talking to Aiden. We've got the finished version um, almost ready to rock and roll. So that'll be another add-on. So let's talk about one specific airplane. Because, I, once again, this is Not about... the P-61. Like, oh, Donnie, you, you totally, totally... <laughs> up in me. I, I, I don't really care about anything else. And as, as Brett and I were laughing, and, and we we're all, and Steve, we we're all talking about it, we're like, P-61, P-61, P-61. I don't care what the rest of the release schedule is. When am I going to see a P-61? Uh, well, I, I was listening, and I did make a note. Excellent. <laughs> and, uh, Somebody listens to me. You're, you're the only one in the world. So. Oh, I don't think so. Sorry. That's why you don't work for Warlord Games, because yeah, they're like, hey, yeah, yeah, shut up, Doug. We don't nah, care. Don't work for them, because we've got our own ideas. Um, exactly. But no, the, the, uh, the uh, P-61, yes. There are a couple of aircraft ahead of it in the row, in the, uh, in the plan. Um, however... It is on the list. Uh, it is one that I personally wanted to do. Um, I'd also like to get a uh, Mark 10 uh, fighter out the door as well. Because nice, uh, nice. it's just awesome. Um, but uh, we'll get to it. There are a couple of others that we want to test. Because they are big aircraft. And we've got to make sure that the printing side of things can handle that. Um, one of the challenges when it gets to the big aircraft is the distortions as i mentioned a bit earlier and you find that you can't put quite so many aircraft on not just because of the size on the bed of the the printer but uh, the way the print film uh peels back the peel forces when a print is working um you'll find that the longer something is across the bed the more distortion it potentially has so with that big aircraft and i believe it is quite big uh i think that might be a bit of a challenge for us but we'll find a way around we'll, we figure can make it, it work we'll what, figure what it out what do you think i'm paying you for oh, wait, I yeah, yeah so i'm not paying you for anything <laughs> no but i think that's sometimes what people in the background they don't necessarily understand some of the big background sort of decision the oh yeah well, the, the, the process technology that goes yeah. into that things may seem really easy because they see a finished product yet there's a, a lot of time and effort yeah and failed resin blobs uh, yeah. when things don't don't print properly. And and uh, absolutely, I, I think uh, that part of what I want to do with Rock Works is also take away some of the mystery. And we'll be doing articles on what we're doing and uh, how we do it, uh, so that people can see some of the processes involved and understand that when they see a price, it's that there's a lot of thought gone into how we price it. Uh, I know Steve would like me to put the price up quite a lot on the SDLs. because we're Americans and we're capitalist pigs and that's absolutely that, <laughs> absolutely I always hear that from my friends around the world I'm like it's not that simple <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, the uh, it, yeah there's a lot behind it and I have done a lot of research into the variety out there um, bearing in mind you've got companies like Shakeways and uh, Thingiverse available you know, two ones that are quite commonly known um, 
and they can provide different materials and manufacturing methods and you look at the designs on there and the, the shape's potentially right but there's nothing more than the shape uh, and the prices they're charging um, are potentially more than we are right now. Um, oh, absolutely. And, and let me just anchor down on that for a moment because I think that's the difficulty I've had is when when somebody really cares about their art, and I'll use uh, Pop Goes the Monkey as an example, and they go to Shapeways, then the price absolutely matches the quality. And it's and someone has taken the, the time and the care in crafting those add-on bits, and I've spent more money than I want to admit for 40K and 30K add-on bits uh, via Shapeways, but, but they're worth the money because they just don't exist anywhere else in a reasonable quality. Sure, I could go to Thingiverse and, and download it and have my buddy print it on even his high-end printer, and it still isn't as good as the, the, the best coming out of Shapeways. But that also comes at a premium, and all of a sudden when I'm talking about a 1-200 scale airplane model where there is detail that I care about, and I do need panel lines, and I don't just need a roughly Spitfire-shaped with a blob on the nose, <laughs> uh, you know, Mark V. I, I need something that's really detailed. I think... I think that's what a lot of hobbyists and hobbyist gamers need to kind of balance and say, there's, there's a reason why we would pay uh, a good premium with Rockworks. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, as I was saying, the, the Shapeway stuff, um, there's nothing wrong with it. I think ours has got a far, far more detail. Um, and we're not charging enough for most. But it, that's, it's, it's that difficulty of we're a new company uh, it's a new idea, it's new concepts uh, we're pushing the boundaries a bit and yes there, there will have to be a premium at some point but right now we want to get the ball rolling um, so the prices I think are going to reflect that for a little bit um, but people should expect those to go up. Right now the, the, you've got to see the details that the guys Steve and Aidan Rowan have been able to put into these aircraft and at the scale that we're doing it um, I think if you've got an STL, you can easily scale it up um, 144th or even larger potentially. But uh, I'd love to see the detail myself. and I'd, I'd love yeah. to show it off at Gathering of Eagles yeah, here yeah, on yeah. Labor Day weekend. <laughs> so so if you send me some, I'll gladly show them to you. And if you send me biplanes, I'll never speak to you again. And I'll say uh, terrible okay. things swordfish. about you on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if I open up a package of swordfish, gladiators, uh, CR-42s. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> any one of those, I'll be like, I hate Richard. Uh, Chris, your models are here. <laughs> yeah, here you go, Chris. Yeah, let, let Chris paint them. Paint uh, them. Paint them here. Have a spit for an animal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, we, yeah. We, we'd love to show those off. So I just I'll I'll throw that out to the community. We know that a lot of people um, have a hard time pitching in for some of these things, and so we'll obviously we're going to pick up some models from you guys. But absolutely, um, if if as we find ourselves in this interesting release cycle, uh, we will be doing gathering of eagles a, a couple times, and and. I was always, really looking forward to feel that. Feel free to, to be a remote vendor. You know, oh, send, yes, send, send like us some, some things to dangle out Thank there and say yes. you can you can go to their website and buy these. Um, yeah, because I think you. the community the community wants to see them, but there's always such apprehension about buying anyone news model. I know there's always apprehension of people going and buying stuff from AIM where uh, they they sometimes don't see a whole lot of renders or they see uh, a couple of years of outdate uh, painted model on there. So there's. There's always some questions. We well, want to I, make do, sure I do love Dave's stuff. Uh, oh, I, I've got quite a collection of his. I, um, I do, and, and, and I feel bad. I, I want to find somebody who would like to be an intern and just work with him, uh, unpaid, to just crank out more models per <laughs> per hour. Well, that, well, that and uh, and his website, because it hasn't changed since I first 
Yeah, yeah. I saw it back in oh, 2002. Oh, oh, come on. Angel Fire websites, are, those are the, the bleeding yeah. edge of technology, right? Yes, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's got some fantastic stuff. And I, I know it's a, a bit of an issue, but I don't want to tread on people's toes, but I think there's an opportunity for us as well. And that the opportunities are, there's the marketplace is big enough to cope with my little business coming along um, more than capable of coping with it all uh, and I still direct people to aim and Dave stuff because it's fantastic and he's always been it is and I just so helpful people, people aren't used to dealing with you know one-off mom-and-pop shops like that he is super helpful super honest about his timeline super apologetic when he can't meet his timelines because someone else has swamped him with a with a big order um, <laughs> he has all those supply chain problems that that you know any other small organization does where Absolutely. He's like, I don't know how many of these I need to print and then when suddenly out of nowhere uh, you know, Warlord Games drops uh, Mariana Palau Island. Well, <laughs> well, or just even does does a specific expansion that no one saw coming, and he's like, "Well, now I'm out of Hellcats, and I have to print up a bunch more. But how many do I print? You know, I don't oh, know what the yeah. demand is." Well, that's that's why Steve's doing an F six F. Yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> and and he and I have laughed about that. I'm like, "Good on you," because I think I think some of these things that I I trusted and expected Warlord to make the decision on. They had to make a business decision, and they said, uh, we'll wait a while on F6Fs. And I'm like, oh, well, thank you. You've released the expansion for Bolt Action where I need them now. <laughs> yeah, I still get frustrated, but I think that's the same with any game we, we are invested in. We want what we want now. <laughs> Not, oh, yeah. We don't want to wait on someone else's production schedule. Well, and, and we've gone through it, whether it's a Games Workshop, Forge World, whatever it is, where you say, how did you not care about my army the most? Absolutely, and, yeah. And there's it's always going to be a business decision. Um, fortunately, I'm one of those horrible Space Marine players, so <laughs> so I know I'm always getting something released quickly from GW. But there's there's times that, that even with a large company like that, I've felt, oh, come on, guys, can we... Can we get back to where we know there's some money to be made and a bunch of us clamoring for this model and you're releasing snotlings yeah. to me and things like that? Yeah, uh, that, that raising the hand, it's always the fallback is the Space Marine or in the yeah. case of uh, all of the, the the German forces. Um, Probably but, one reason that I chose uh, RAF for uh, for Blood Red Skies and play Space Marines in uh, in 40K is I know something will you know, always be released for those. Yeah. It's, it's going to arrive at some point very soon. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I, will, I keep my head to the ground. I try to make sure that we're not going to do something that Warlord are planning to release. But Warlord, I've got 16 games, 15, 16 games. And they, they've got to try and manufacture and produce enough for each of those games to keep everybody involved uh, but ultimately bolt action is their core and Absolutely. black powder seconds that and that's where owners and uh, heads of department our interests lie uh, they don't game other than uh, well certainly the head of uh, design doesn't game at all um, so they're out of touch in some ways but equally others that they know that they where the bread is buttered, and that's where they're going to keep the focus. Oh, absolutely. And, and we know that Blood Red Skies, percentage-wise, is such a small market, uh, but it's still yeah. still frustrating to us sometimes when, when you see something that none of us cared about for bolt action. And I'm not a bolt action player, I'll, I'll say that freely. But you sit there and you go, I really didn't care about that. Could you have continued to expand some of these other lines? But but we'll talk about that. So let's yeah. let's so take this, gonna... this, this weird thing that is bolt action. Uh, and the the different ways it's moving, um, and Blood Red Skies is kind of being drugged along. Yeah, drug, dragged along a bit behind it. I mean, I, I 
when I was at Warlord, I was always saying that if we're going to look at the Pacific, yeah, Midway is perhaps a, a great starting point, but uh, uh, Guadalcanal, somewhere like that, where where we've got a lot more variety uh, of action perhaps to look at, yes, uh, yes, would always be interesting. And for me, it's those sort of campaigns that I will let lead me in what comes next. Um, having said that, certain aircraft like, uh, say, the uh, CAC Boomerang um, come to mind, which looks so cool and might have not really participated much at all in uh, any action. But they did shoot down a couple of Bettys over Darwin. So why not? Ah, uh, Darwin, a scenario is going to model. And then we totally got sidetracked into this this release schedule that is Warlord Games. <laughs> I was I was so ready to do Battle of Darwin. Uh, and I haven't gotten back to it. Maybe I'll get back to it after I fool around with some, uh, some mid-war uh, U.S. stuff. We'll Absolutely. Absolutely, but the, that's the, the great thing about what we're doing, I think. Uh, if uh, the, the popularity of a campaign uh, leads us in that direction, then there's absolutely no reason why we can't adapt what we're doing or have in mind to do and say, well, let's actually look at the aircraft involved in that and make sure we get them out for everybody to have a really good bash at that campaign um i think everything that we're doing is all about supporting the game itself and blood red skies i think is one of those games out there that is hugely worth supporting um as a community it's growing greatly and i i that's what i feel like i want to do is help uh andy where i can to make it even better uh as i'm sure what you're doing with malta campaign but uh um more importantly out in the um uh, the uh, computer game side of the uh, yeah, game side. The um, well, so uh, let's, let's shift to that for a moment. So, um, what what are what are you all thinking, doing? And I'm asking a totally leading question here, being the guy <laughs> that puts out Tabletop Simulator: Blood yeah. Red Skies. <laughs> what are you guys thinking about uh, for support for Tabletop Sim? Because I mean, it's kind of two similar efforts. I I have a huge demand for models and you people are producing models well strange enough um <coughs> someone talked to steve about that uh, it's weird what, <laughs> i wonder how what, that happened i wonder how that happened but it's a totally natural thing to do i think that the fact that the guys are um absolutely willing to uh adapt what they've done for me uh, for themselves for me um and make them viable for uh tabletop sim is fantastic because it brings new bodies into the hobby that perhaps weren't so invested in perhaps a, a ref or italians or something else it expands their knowledge their enthusiasm for the game is maintained whilst we can't meet face to face oh absolutely uh, i think that's a fantastic idea that needs exploring even more uh warlord would be silly not to support that even further uh to the well. nth degree. <laughs> well. um, I would never say Warlord is silly, but well. Well, uh, but uh, I think everybody just needs to get on to Info at Warlord Games and make sure they say Tabletop Sim has really encouraged me to buy more physical planes. Well, Please and here's the funny thing. support I, them. <laughs> I've had a number of Tabletop Sim gamers who are, who are not Blood Red Skies gamers and even people that say they're a majority digital gamers that have contacted us and said, you know, we really like this Blood Red Skies on Tabletop Sim. And, you know, I never really thought about 1-200 scale airplanes. I kind of assumed that was something that dusty old men played with in their basements. Uh, but they've said, I think I'm going to go pick up, you know, some 
some blood red skies and paint it up and and do the hobby aspect that maybe they'd gotten out of in the digital era where everyone had had kind of been so so used to buying whatever right. real time strategy branded game for for the game they played on the tabletop. Yeah, they they've come back into it. They're thinking about say, uh a little bit more, and they're saying, "Well, why won't I pick up a box of these guys?" Uh, it re-enlivens them. I think it gives them permission to be fourteen again and push their <laughs> models around the tabletop. Yeah, it's like wow. Well, and and I can't say this enough. So so Warlord was helpful uh, and and has continued to be supportive within the the lanes they're allowed to be. Uh, of the whole idea on tabletop sim because they didn't say no at the beginning and they didn't they didn't shut us down they just gave us very specific left and right lateral limits uh, but also the gaming mat community has been great and people have said absolutely please take low resolution versions of our files here you go you know here's your here's your mig alley mat here is your pacific mat here is your you know whatever uh cliffs of dover mat they, they the community has been very supportive and so i think the next step really for us is to say okay if we know that Warlord is concerned about their 3D models, then let's find an avenue uh, of somebody else who has 3D models that can be downs- downscaled, downsized, down-resolutioned uh, to where they're not something that somebody can then go out and print 10 million of, but still look good to be pushed around the table. And and I think people need to realize that there's actually a little bit of behind-the-scenes work that, that Steve does for me, making sure these things all work on the advantage bases and, and uh, are that they feel like blood red skies miniatures when we move them out there. And I think this community is what I love about it. The, the helpfulness, the willingness to put their time and effort into something that's uh, ultimately it's somebody else's game system and product, but we all as enthusiasts are looking for ways to help improve that. And it's got to be good for the, uh, the, the ultimate manufacturer in the, in the first place because it's bringing awareness and expanding awareness and keeping people involved in slightly different ways perhaps but keeping them involved in a hobby that sometimes isn't always fully supported by releases or new stuff and i tell a lot of people i ask them to remember that there's a difference between no and yes and the people i work with at warlord and working with andy who actually still truly owns the game there, there is a lot of, I can't say yes, but I'm not going to say no. And that that means the world to those of us as third-party supporters in that they can't endorse or they can't give us what we necessarily wanted, but they're not actively going to block us, which is a huge, a huge operating space for us to reach out to people like Rockworks it, and say, help, I need models. <laughs> it, and it, it gives us the space to say that we can help and we can support you um and talk to steve it's a natural to say yes because we've got we've gone to the effort to do this for the community and improve blood red skies as a whole uh, wherever we can uh in terms of the, the support that is provided for it and uh, if we can do our little bit to help bring more gamers into the community then that's what we're about that's what we want to do absolutely and i and i think that Regardless of where things transition in the next few years in in digital gaming, in person gaming, I think there's always going to be a connection there uh, that that should be leveraged by the Blood Red Skies community. And you know, even if we wake up uh, tomorrow and everybody's back uh, in person gaming, I know a lot of people will be playing TTS because it's a quick way that you don't have to go to the gaming store. You can 
you know, 10 o'clock at night, call up your buddy and say, hey, let's play a quick, uh, quick round of dogfight uh, and hop in and, and check your competitive list, do something like that. So for me, at least, not that I own anything, but I'm the guy supporting the files on Steam. <laughs> I know we're going to keep doing things for Tabletop Sim. Uh, it's fantastic. The, yes. The, the boundaries that we're given. So um, I, I always encourage people to keep asking about it. Don't feel like it's something dead. Sometimes I, I don't always answer questions on Steam because uh, I have a million other projects that I'm into. So it may take a week for me to catch that someone left a comment. Uh, but uh, we, we always try to answer what people want to know about the, the future of the game. Yeah, like uh, so you're taking the multi campaign. Where, where do you envisage it uh, progressing to now? Well, it's funny that you answer that So or ask that question. So um, we're obviously going to put out some dedicated Malta support, and you guys are helping us with that. And I, I really appreciate that because that allows me to do more than just release some cards that are unofficial cards and release some models that have been pinched off of the, you know, Axis and Allies expansion and rescaled and put on an advantage stand. Uh, but the good thing is we know we're putting out support for MIG Alley out there. We are going to, uh, when it's the right time, <laughs> not, not until Andy tells me it's the right time, put out Boys, yes. some playtest, you know, pieces to this where you say, hmm, we might try some Vietnam. Uh, and to, to put out those in tabletop sim, because, you know, once again, it's great to drop stuff in the ready room. And it's awesome for people to see files there. What I've found is sometimes people actually will test your rules if you give them all of the tools. You give them the miniatures, you give them the cards, uh, and say, just download this expansion to your tabletop. It's there. It's waiting for you. Have a go. Give us feedback. Just go go play it, break it, tell me what didn't work. Uh, And if you're going to bitch about the model in tabletop sim, I'm going to tell you I don't care. (laughs) Oh, fantastic. I like that one. (laughs) So it's one of those things, which, which then I turn around to a leading question to you. What do you see for Rockworks for Korea, Vietnam, because we know Blood Red Skies is moving slowly in those directions. And there's some things Warlord has said they'll do. And then there's a lot that they've said they have zero interest in. And it's those zero interest ones that I think would be our first port call because uh, uh, the the business decision for a company like Warlord Games has has always got to be in mind that mindful of the fact that they've got 70, 80 working employees to make sure they can pay. Um, so they have to say to themselves, you know, that the actual cost and return of this product, what's it going to be? Uh, is it going to pay the bills? Uh, for me, I've got the same, but there's only me. Um, I can afford to say, well, you know, this month it's going to be a case of, yeah, I'll pay the what uh, due to the sculptors. But for me, I want to invest in another machine. I don't need to actually take any extra on. I've got a full-time job. That's what that that pays the bills so for me i can react and say well you know that aircraft that sounds really cool as long as i can make sure the the price is priced the things right to pay steve or aiden uh, rowan that, that or any other sculptor the the actual value that they deserve then we'll say yes let's do it um that's why i mentioned the cac boomerang because it's something that's a bit weird whether anybody wants it I, i'm sure maybe a few but only a few need to buy it from us to say well that's fine we it's yeah that's good thank you very much that's been worth doing um so those alternate aircraft that people might not uh Waller won't even look at we will um i absolutely will look at those and uh, the same for vietnam if there's a way of doing um different versions of aircraft as well uh, we will do that um but i i do want to make sure that I'm not in any way competing with 
uh, Warlord games in that terms because uh, it wouldn't support the hobby and wouldn't support Blood Red Skies appropriately. Absolutely. And, and I'll laugh and say sometimes uh, this is an opportunity to lead turn what, uh, what things we see coming. I know I was talking uh, with Roger Garish the other day and, and we're so frustrated putting uh, one two hundredth scale phantoms and MiG twenty ones and F eights <laughs> on advantage is bases. Huge. That, that, that maybe it's your opportunity to say, "Look, we have our Blood Red Skies Vietnam playtest pack in one three hundredth scale." <laughs> You'd go three hundredth, would you? <laughs> uh, you yes. And so, so we laugh that uh, that we don't know if that may be an uphill discussion uh, with the warlord sculptors. But by golly, if yours that fit advantage bases are in uh, in one three hundredth, we'll feel better because our phantoms won't nose over and touch the ground when they become disadvantaged. Uh, there, there's so many different opportunities to look at other ideas and be open to other ideas. It's just what we're all about um, in how that works. But of course, with Blood Risk Guys, it's about that advantage base. So oh, is, as yeah. long as that mechanic stays there, there's got to be a way of doing it. So, And, and that's we'll, why we'll I cheat and use, use magnets on so many of my uh, resin miniatures is that way I can get rid of the sabos. I don't have to, you know, uh, have these big feet on the bottom of them. And then I can also... Uh, flip them over without them totally touching the ground on some of the larger models. Yeah, I've got one of uh, uh, Ames Catalinas, uh, a beautiful piece. Uh, I've got one of Warlord's potential B-17s as well. Uh, That's that's, um, a a big beast. And that's why we've, we talked to the guys at Litco and said, we kind of need for both the larger airplanes and for going to big red skies, as they call it with 172nd, you know, we we need a, a flippable advantage disadvantage marker. Uh, so that uh, hopefully that'll be coming out soon and, and an ability to just buy a, a bag of those and go, I'm not going to bother flipping the stand because this B-29 is too darn big. <laughs> and, that, and that's a great or example. A, a metal one we've converted from a, from a die-cast model. Well, that's a great example of the community just looking for alternate ways around a issues that potential issues they find within their own games or their own uh, game groups or clubs oh, yeah. uh, and how they deal with it. And that sometimes is what... Uh, the R&D department should be looking at potentially to uh, help uh, adapt the game as they progress. Yes. Well, we've been talking for almost an hour and, uh, you know, besides wasting the listeners time and reminiscing about things like Rogue Trader and and all those good old days. uh, Yes. Epic. (laughs) Where where is the easiest way for people to find you out on the internet? Where can they go out and and find Rockworks? So it's uh, it's, uh, rockworks or rock-works.co.uk. Uh, there are other rock works out there, so look for the roc-works.co.uk uh, or uh, on the ready room, just ping me, Richard Carlyle. Um, yeah, can always get back to you on that. You'll see me uh, conversing with Ken often on there uh, and others. Uh, I'll sneak in a few pictures of what we're up to on Rockworks as well. Uh, Ken allows me to do that. Very nice of him. Um, and uh, I think so far the, the guys have been able to see what we're releasing what we're doing, uh, a few ideas about the, the foam. Um, I'll try and answer people's questions and queries about their own printing if they're coming up against any uh, obstacles within that. Uh, that's certainly what we're trying to do on any uh, of our blog posts as well on uh, Rockworks. Absolutely. Uh, and not that I'm telling you how to do your business, but after you mentioned that one, a, a partnership with Just Lasered where you're delivering me uh, foam cut or laser cut foam <laughs> with the uh, nicely printed resin models in there. Yeah, I'll just start having to send you my paycheck every month. So. I thought it. I, we we thought it would be a lovely surprise for those guys who uh, just pitched in first up, and I've got to say a huge thank you to all of them. Um, uh, 
it's been a, a little bit overwhelming uh not in terms of being able to produce but uh, the yeah you, you have an idea and you hope it's going to be accepted and then when you see people actually jumping on board and in such numbers and uh, enthusiasm it's and i was really surprised i thought one particular aircraft might do better than another but actually they're all going really well uh, that's good Oscar, news. that's Oscar. actually that, that's good news yeah. for us in the hobby that are concerned yeah. that there's a, a very narrow focus because i don't think there is i think it's very wide and at least in the blood red skies community. yeah we're, we're trying to i mean it just happened that we managed to pair up the aircraft a little bit but uh in this case but uh i think we're, we are going to keep an eye on what people are after we'll listen to people uh, i think we'll run a few uh quizzes uh quizzes um uh just to get an idea about what people are after uh particularly and if people shout enough about a particular thing then i'm sure we can bring that to the front of the list b61s b25 uh, uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry um, did i say that out loud <laughs> that was supposed to be my inside voice <laughs> yes yes <laughs> little boy voice b61 please exactly. no, um, exactly. <clears throat> uh, certainly single engine fighters uh, we want to focus on and the twin engine bombers will or even heavy fighters will certainly want um i will get an hs129 in there somehow yeah exactly oh, i should in. have known that would happen <laughs> that's a, that's a must have uh, absolutely well, excellent. Thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. I know the listeners appreciate it because now they have a little bit more insight into how you ended up where you are and then what's on the release schedule and where you guys are going from here. So no, that's brilliant. Thank you very much. Thanks for the support to the community. Thanks for supporting the Lead Pursuit podcast. Thanks for keeping Steve employed making 3D models for you instead of for me. So my tabletop sim is now months behind. Oh, wait, no. Oh, hang but, on a minute. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was the other way around. <laughs> exactly. So thank you very much for all the help. Thanks for being on the podcast. We look You're forward welcome. to talking to you in the future. Thank you very much, Doug. Thanks for inviting me.